You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry! I am your father. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another flashcast from your favorite Sharp Angles ladies, Jeanette and Danae. Today, we're here to review Disney Pixar's new um, film in which uh, we get a look at the characters inside our heads, allegedly. Um, (laughs) And in this instance, I am actually the neophyte. And Jeanette is the fangirl, so we're going to let her talk about this sleeper hit of the summer a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, um, first off, yes, it was a little bit of a sleeper hit to begin with, but it has taken off humongously. The The thing is, is that um, when it first debuted, it debuted at the same exact time as Jurassic Park 4 slash Jurassic World. And apparently people wanted to see people getting eaten by dinosaurs much more than they wanted to get inside their own heads, which is a little bit of a sad social commentary. (laughs) (laughs) However, however, fortunately, um, Pixar got its its momentum after that. And last I checked, Jurassic World and uh, Inside Out were were still competing for top spot four or five, maybe even six weeks in at this point. So going strong, which is awesome because this movie is phenomenal. So, yeah, I really am a fangirl on this one. Um, I've already declared that the second it comes out on DVD, and I do mean the second, I will be buying it. I don't care at what price. Charge $40, I will still be buying it um, just because it's, it's really that phenomenal. So why is it so phenomenal? Good question. Glad you asked. Do tell us more, Jeanette. (laughs) It is the story of a young girl, uh, Riley, and I do not remember her last name. Do you remember, Danae? Mm, No, but I could make something up. Abbott? Nah, nah, well, we'll just say Riley, because that really is her name. She's 11 years old, and um, and it starts out when she is first born. And you see just this, this bright light. Um, but not the kind of bright light you're not supposed to go towards. It's it's this bright light, and then all of a sudden, you see this little character emerge. And we find out right away that her name is Joy. She's this cute little blue-haired, yellow-skinned girl in a, in a green dress. And she is just all happiness. She's delighted with everything. And she is the very first emotion that, that this little baby, Riley, ever experiences upon seeing her mom and dad. From there, more emotions are added. Sadness comes right along, um, and then anger and anger, fear, and disgust. Mm-hmm. So there's five emotions inside Riley's head. And the thing is, is that each one is very clearly defined by Joy. She introduces everyone as as we see little snippets of Riley growing up. Um, you know, at age two, running around the house with a, a wagon full of her toys and and then we get to see her playing with her parents and um her family lives in Wisconsin mm-hmm. or Minnesota yeah, Minnesota somewhere cold um I think it's Minnesota they love playing ice hockey 
And so we get to see the first goal she ever makes and her playing with her team and all these other really great moments. And now anger comes in and anger, anger is useful because, um, actually I remember all of their uses except for anger. Um, does, she, does she actually give anger a use or she just explains him? I think she just explains him. I think, I think he's a reaction more than a, a useful, um, Danae, I can't hear a word you're saying. No. Can you hear me now? Hang on. Uh, we're having technical difficulties at the moment. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Can you hear me now? I So I'm on the waveform. You can't hear me. Boo. All right. One more time. I'm getting out of this tablet. I'm going to try my computer. All right. I'm going to give me two minutes to wait. Uh, ah, two minutes. Two minutes. We're going to pause for technical difficulties, folks. We're going to pause. And we're back, folks. Sorry for the technical difficulties. This is what happens when your bestie lives in another state. <laughs> <laughs> and my most sincere apologies about that. I am trying to, I'm trying to fix that little issue. I really am. Yes, she is. Uh, more on that later. Um, <laughs> So we were discussing the introduction of the emotions for Riley Anderson, right? Right. Um, and rage or anger, anger. It isn't given a purpose necessarily. He but Joy still doesn't seem to have too much of a problem with him. No. The one she takes issue with is sadness mm -hmm. because sadness is to her, her very opposite. And she doesn't understand the point of not being joyful. Right. So um, we, after all those little little um, flashbacks of Riley's life, we get to see her at 11 years old where her family is moving, moving from Wisconsin all the way to San Francisco. I think and it's Minnesota, by the way. I'm pretty Minnesota? sure it's Minnesota. I think you might be right. Again, it's somewhere cold. They're all alike. Uh, just kidding, just for the record. I'm just not a, a fan of coldness. But I've been to many states out there and they're gorgeous. Um, so <laughs> it's true. Anyway, so moving from somewhere beautiful but cold to San Francisco, which obviously is not cold. And Riley, at first, because she is a very joyful little girl, she's like, okay, let's make the best of this. You know, moving can be fun. And she has all these great ideas of, about what the house is going to look like, except that the new house is, is kind of a dump. <laughs> a dump. It, it is. It it's bare and there's a dead mouse in it and and it's very unpainted and on top of all that the moving van is a week behind them right and the interesting thing about this i have to say is i think pixar maybe because it's based out in that area of california picked up on something that's never explicitly stated but was kind of brilliant. This family who moves cross country because his dad is the dad is you know involved in a company like in a, in, a in, in a startup company is either has either bought or rented a house that is a dump. But the reality of the situation is the housing market out in San Francisco is so unbelievably competitive because of Google and Facebook and all of these tech companies that it is almost impossible to find housing. And people who have been living in low-income housing out there have literally been foisted out. 
So this family who lives in a lovely little house, well, actually not so little house in Minnesota, moves to this disgusting land, lots of land, moves to this disgusting, dingy dump because, to be honest, though, it's never explicitly stated there aren't any other options out in San Francisco. And that is interesting because I did wonder about that. You know, again, they have this lovely property out in Minnesota. Um, and why couldn't they afford something better? Like, obviously, I understand that California housing prices are going to be a little bit more expensive, but I didn't realize the exact discrepancy there. So that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, California in general has a high housing market, but San Francisco is exorbitant and it's unbelievable what it takes in order to um, be able to afford even a one bedroom apartment, in, you know, in the area, in the city. So, so then a two bedroom would be exceptionally pricey. Yes. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So that explains that aspect for, for the fan girl, the neophyte clears everything up right there. Beautifully done. Huzzah. <laughs> um, so at first Riley tries to make the best out of her new divey little home. But one thing happens after another, after another, and she just gets very sad. And then she gets angry because she's sad, and things escalate from there. Now, for the most part, we're inside Riley's head, so we are experiencing everything not quite through Joy's eyes, but definitely from... her perspective. Beside, beside her, mm-hmm. beside her perspective. From her perspective, yeah. And she, more than Riley, is the main character of this movie. Yeah. You know, the the movie is based on Riley, but Joy is the main character. She's Most the tough. she's the one who has the problems to begin with. Not that Riley doesn't. I'm not. I'm, but Joy is the one, and then who causes the problems. So... The movie starts out, the move, we get, we go back and forth from Riley's head to outside, Riley's head to outside. And it's very, very well done, as is expected from Pixar, let's face it. Um, But Joy is the one who doesn't want sadness, who is this dumpy little blue (laughs) character who talks like this. Right. And um, if any of. at, At one point, if I could just interrupt. Joy tries to get sadness to be happy. And at this point, you, you kind of have to wonder, okay, sweetie, you're 11 years in and you have obviously made no progress making sadness happy or why do you keep trying? Right. But, but Joy's like, well, what about that memory about, about the movie with the dog? And it was so funny when, you know, the dog does this. And sadness goes, oh, yeah, I like that movie. The dog dies in the end. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for the record, happens in just about every dog movie and dog book. True, it's tragic. What's up with that? I don't know. So anyway, um, but so Joy tries to get sadness to stop touching things because sadness self professes that she can't help herself. She doesn't know what's come over her. And Joy has basically been at the console Riley's entire life Um, because the headquarters, this is one of the things we didn't tell you. So the emotions have a headquarters. It's like um, a tower in the brain. Um, And there's a control panel, not a big control panel, but a control panel. And you know, depending on what's happening, one of the other emotions might take over for a little while. 
but generally speaking, joy is in control. And there are these core memories that all of them, all of her core memories, all of Riley's core memories are happy. And the core memories go to different islands in Riley's head. Hockey Island, Family Island, Friendship Island. Island. Say it again. Goofball Island. Oh, Goofball Island. Right, because they're they're goofy family. Thank you. Uh, I might be missing one. Friendship, Goofball, Hockey. Family. Family. I don't remember the last one. I don't either. Anyway, continue. So, uh, and core memories fuel the island um, and and make the island have, like, energy, right? And so she moves and they get to this house and she's trying really hard to be okay with everything and be happy and they go get pizza and she hates broccoli and they only serve broccoli pizza at this restaurant. It's, like, organic vegan broccoli pizza (laughs) Which sounds disgusting, but I believe is a hundred percent once again a hundred percent accurate of that area of San Francisco. Um, and me being from New Jersey, I don't understand how anywhere else has good pizza. No, no. <laughs> pizza is New Jersey and New York. Otherwise, let's face it, it's just kind of good, not great, pointless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, unless you go with Little Caesars, which is always a good choice for your greasy, you know, delicious fast food pizza. But anyway, or cheesecake. Oh, they do have some excellent pizza. They do. So she goes and and I can't remember. Maybe you do. But um, I can't remember what causes the core sad memory. Um, Sadness just touches too much, basically. But I don't remember the what that translates to in Riley's life. Yeah. Well, a bunch of the memories become tinged with sadness But there's a core memory that gets produced that goes like that is trying to go out to one of either one of the islands or start its own island. The hockey one, the first time that she gets her her goal in Uh, hockey. Okay, and and it and it makes it and it makes Joy crazy and Joy subsequently tries to fix it, which turns into a giant disaster. Um, and this and joy get sucked up into the memory tube and deposited somewhere in this vast expanse of shelves with memories that is long term memory mm-hmm. because Pixar is brilliant like that. Yes. And they're all these little either golden or blue or whatever marbles. And it's fantastic. And then, of course, they have a journey back to headquarters and. You know, they have to take the thought train and then they have to. And in the meantime, they the other emotions do not know what to do. They they can't decide how to handle things. And they always are going, what would Joy do? But then their their primal <laughs> selves take over and it's a disaster. And and for lack of a better word, it is just an epic wonderful funny disaster um and of course it's a pixar movie so you can sort of infer how it ends but it's just wonderful and they additional at the same time yes and oh go ahead they, they incorporate so many scientific facts into here and do it in such a creative entertaining way that it's brilliant i mean 
They have the train of thought. They have um, abstract thinking. Mm -hmm. They have they have uh, memory loss. They have ever. I mean, everything. It, it's brilliant. Imagination Land is filled with all these great little puns, and I hate puns, but they did a brilliant uh, job with that. Uh, oh my word! And I'm I'm actually kind of speechless thinking about how much they managed to fit into this movie. And the reality of the situation is, too, like, what? This is a classic journey story, let's face it. You know, and, and um, in Solomon's words, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Like, well, this is an, a, a journey story. You know, somebody made a mistake, gets cast out of the gets cast out of the wasteland, out into the wasteland and has to make his or her way home. But excuse the uh, the interruption, folks. Um, but the reality of the situation is it's done in such an innovative way to, to explain how people's brains work that, and while it's not 100% based in reality, it gives a fresh sort of perspective on things. Okay, Danae, I'm sorry to do this, but I just have to interrupt real quick. It's it's not based in reality. We don't have five little emotions <laughs> uh, uh, running running around in our heads, touching the a keyboard that dictates how we feel. Yeah. Mm, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. <laughs> wow, wow. I'm I might have to take a few minutes just to ponder this because I feel as if my whole entire um, life view is is going to change with this information. I'm Thank sorry. you for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am an earth shattering um, kind of. I I do deliver earth shattering information on the daily. So you definitely you know, do. You know, well, the, and and actually though, that my little sarcasm brings up an interesting point that Danae and I have already discussed um, off air, but might as well bring up now. The fact that they only do have five emotions yes. going on inside Riley's head. And apparently now, um, I read that Pixar took five years to put this together. Mm -hmm. And originally, they had as many as 20, possibly more emotions to work with. Obviously, our emotional capacity is very, uh, you know, wide, broad ranging. Right. Um, but they, they decided that it was just going to complicate the story way too much to go with 20. So they narrowed it down to five. So, Danae, in your opinion... Were those the correct five to run with? Um, I would say that I think that there there should have been a little bit more depth. Though we have also had the discussion um, that I think that they were pretty apt in terms of like character motivation and those sorts of things. Love was missing. I think mm. that that's critical. I you know joy and love are not the same thing. Um, and I think that that is at its core um, one of the primary emotions that people function under. Or and and then the opposite of love is not disgust. It's not anger. It's hate. Mm -hmm. And and so if you and we're all capable of that, just as much as we're all capable of love. Correct. So if we had love, then I think then we would have to have hate, and that is something I would imagine they didn't want to venture into, which is why love wasn't included. Interesting. So you don't think it was a matter of being too complicated for the storyline? You think it was more a matter of being PC? 
I think it was a matter of being PC because that matters more to Pixar than anything else. To be honest with you, it's a you know it's about viewership. If you offend people, they're not going to come see your movie. Um, very true. And this movie was, I think, the absolute opposite of, of offensive. I don't think there was any point where it's like, oh, really? Although, then again, I'm not. I don't live in San Francisco, so maybe if I did <laughs> live there, I'd be offended by the by their not so great depiction of the city several it's, times over. It's true. I I got, definitely got the impression that this is not a place that I would want to visit or live. Um, but I I believe, and and we again once again, please fact check me. I believe it's based out of that area in California. Pixar is so. Um, and the other interesting thing is, this is not the first Pixar movie that's been based out of some iteration of San Francisco. Um, Big Hero Six, which is a great movie, um, is based out of San Fran, Tokyo. Um, this like hybrid futuristic version of San Francisco or this alternate reality sort of almost steampunkish version of San Francisco. Oh, are you serious? It's you just not the movie for me. No, it's great. We should watch it and then you should, we should discuss it. Um, I don't steampunk. I can't. I'm it's sorry. not, it's not steampunk. It, almost, I said almost like it's, it's strange because it's like very techy. It's like, um, San Francisco, Tokyo melt. Um, and there's like this, this very technical aspect to it. It's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting movie. It, it really is. So, and yet I still don't want to see it. <laughs> I think you should watch it. Anyway, we'll, we'll discuss this more off air. It's a great movie. Um, another though thing I have to say about this movie, as much as I liked it is, um, I think that I I would agree that everybody has a predilection towards um, a primary emotion, as it were. Like, uh, and Jeanette and I have dis- discussed um, which one ours are, and and I am ruled by disgust <laughs> more than anything else, right? Um, but I think that the complexity of emotions can vary and and that wasn't necessarily there wasn't necessarily enough time in an hour and 45 minute movie to delve into that as much as I think is probably um needed as it were but oh god no 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 continue continue oh. I just want to interrupt and the other thing is is so the five primary emotions are in this 11 year old's brain but then you, we get flashes into adults' brains and kids' oh, and brains awesome. and kitties' brains and doggies' brains. And everybody, all of the characters have only the five emotions. And I would say as one gets older and more mature, there's more complexity to how we react to things. And therefore, and they did some explaining of that um, in getting a larger control panel with access to other aspects of of nuance but puberty puberty <laughs> more swear words <laughs> which which anger never actually used but was fantastically integrated yes. into the movie it was wonderful and it really was which um, is why it can appeal to adults as well as to children right. but i mean 
Oh, continue. Oh, but never in the way in which it's um, unseemly. Yeah. Which I think in the past has been the case in some kids' movies. Some of the okay. some of the like more advanced humor is unseemly. Agreed. Agreed. And again, this never was. It wasn't it simply was not an offensive movie. And I will flat out say I am really a fangirl on this one every step of the way. Okay, I'm giving it a five, hands wow. down. Wow. Yes. I it, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm so, impressed. I, I actually, I didn't know that you would ever give anything a five. I have to. I'm in love with this movie to the point where I hate going to the theater. I really do. Um, she does. I folks. think I'm a little bit, I, I swear I have undiagnosed ADD because I hate sitting in one spot for too long. Watching a movie at home, I can get up. I can, you know, dangle my legs. I can do whatever the heck I want. In a theater, obviously, my movements are very limited. I've already seen this thing in theater twice. I will totally watch it a third time if someone will only go with me. Oh. I mean, that's, that's how much I love this movie. I, I think we need to take Rich when you come up next. Hey, I'm all for it. I really am. Oh, and also I'm a cheapskate, and yet I don't mind wasting more money on watching this movie. Um, so, so in my opinion, Pixar Disney did an amazing job with this, which is why I have to say... <laughs> Going back to your your previous statements about how, you know, the the older we get, the more emotions we have and the more complicated they get, I 1000% agree with you, Danae. But because this is not reality we're talking about, this is fiction. And let's face it, fiction does have to take some liberties in order to to make it work and work well. So... While I agree, yes, love and hate completely, they're they're separate. They're very separate emotions from joy and anger. And can they go together? Yes, of course. But are they the same? No. Um, I'm sure if I thought about it, I could add at least another, I don't know, dozen emotions off the top of my head. And I'm sure that there are dozens more that if someone mentioned them to me, I would go, oh, yeah, completely. That's another emotion that would belong in that, that character range. But because I do think it would have complicated things too much and not in a PC, un-PC way, but in a storyline way. Sure. And and there's always the choice to leave something out. You necessarily don't. If you put love in there, you don't have to put hate, though it may cause people like me who are obnoxious to. (laughs) That's accurate. To go, wait, wait a second. You have joy, you have anger, or you have joy, you have sadness, you have anger, which can be the opposite of joy, depending, you know, um, you have anxiety and you have disgust, but wait, where? what happened to hate? You have love, but you don't have hate. But I think you're right. I think the simplification, especially for a kid's movie, we're talking about a kid's movie here, for a kid's movie to make it very understandable for children to make it very much entertaining for children, to give this nuance that's needed so that adults enjoy it. I do agree that it was very well done. And I'm not, I'm not upset about them leaving it out. I'm just curious more. You know, it's not like I'm like, they should have, you know, I would have liked to have seen it if it did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's, I think the mark of a good film is, even though there are things that could have been added, it is complete in its picture 
And it doesn't necessarily need anything else, even though I might like it as a viewer if it had more. I, you know, but I'm an adult and not an 11 year old, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to say we were sitting in the theater and we were sitting there and there are like a hundred previews to this movie. We were actually 15 minutes late to the movie <laughs> and didn't miss the short film that was before the movie. We still saw at least. Believe me, we would have loved to miss the short film. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I laugh at you. <laughs> I had that song stuck in my head all day yesterday. It was dreadful. It was so dreadful. Um, we digress. Uh, but so in through the entire previews that were there, there was there was a little boy. I don't know how old he was. If I had to venture a guess, he was younger than six. And he was behind, sitting behind me and he was talk, 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 talk. And I'm sitting in my seat and I'm like, I just paid $13 to see this movie. If this child, and I love small children, if this child talks through this movie, I may have to say something. And I know he's probably under six. But I still do not want to spend $13 on a movie that I don't, I get talk, 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 talk through, right? (laughs) The lights finally go down. The credits come up. There is not a word from that child until the end credits. And I think that in and of itself was magical because the movie, the credits didn't do it for him. He was like, Ta, talking to his mom, talking to his dad, talking to his brother. Nobody told him to be quiet except for me because I have higher standards for, than some parents for their children. Um, <laughs> Obviously, the emotion disgust is at work right now. <laughs> she drives the console, baby. Um <laughs> And she drives it well. So true. So I, um, I'm sitting there and I just thought this movie is fantastic just for that reason, because I've been to kids movies in which, in fact, I went to a kids movie once and not embarrassed to tell you that there were a few children who were absolutely appallingly behaved. And I got up and I went and I spoke with them. Whoa. Yep. Whoa. What did the parents say? Nothing. Did the kids shut up? Yep. I am starstruck right now. Danae, you are my absolute hero. And probably most of the rest of the audience's hero also. Yeah. Or I was just out of line. But there was a point where I just... It was just unacceptable. And the teacher in me that probably you know, it was also ruled by disgust, could not handle it anymore. And I got up and I went to the children in this movie and I said, you need to sit in your seats because they were running around the theater. You need to. That's not even safe. You need to sit in your seats and you need to stop talking and you need to stop screaming or I am going to ask you to leave the theater. Oh, at that point, I will say I probably would not even gone to the children. I would have gone to management of the theater. I said something. You're 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 coming from a a teacher standpoint. I'm I'm coming from a waitress standpoint there, and that is such a safety hazard. It's true, and it, you know, and it was a movie I really wanted to see. It was actually the second part of um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Okay. And, 
And it was just, it was appalling. Their behavior was appalling. So I am not above correcting children that do not belong to me um, on their behavior in public. I have done it many a time. School or not in school. But I have to say that this movie was magical because that child did not breathe a word until the end of the movie. So I have to say I give this a 4.9. It was a great movie. It was truly great. And bring your tissues if you're a crier. I'm a crier. It's just Jeanette had to pull a tissue out of her pocketbook and hand it to me when we were watching it. But it was just such a good cry. You know, like it's one of those things. Um, And just a neat concept and so different than anything else I've ever seen before. And I have to give them props for that because, you know, it's so rare that that happens. You know, Mm -hmm. how many, how many movies are out this summer that are some iteration of some movie that was made in the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands, we could, you know, movies coming out in the winter that are iterations of movies made in the seventies or the, you know, that, this movie is entirely its own and and brilliant because of that. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Agreed. Again, I have no problem giving this thing five stars because as much as I can nitpick certain neuroscientific aspects of it, shall we say? Oh, sure. Again, from a storyline, from a creative perspective, it was just brilliant. It was brilliant. And, and the thing is, is that they did have neuroscientists and and psychologists and you know other experts weigh in on the script and and the plot line and everything and you could tell you really could tell so i i don't have any problems with the liberties that they did take and and even the incorporation of things like imaginary friends and, you know, the memory wasteland and you don't come back from it. And, you know, the disappearance of certain aspects. And I have to say, perhaps my most favorite part of all in which the... um Guys who are in charge of sending things either to the memory <laughs> wasteland or keeping them in long-term memory. And they sort of are sort of Monsters, Inc.-esque characters so. with the hard hats. And it's kind of a funny throwback to that movie, which Actually, I loved. Can I say something real sure. quick? As you brought that up. Um, apparently, they incorporated little snippets of every other Disney Pixar movie ever into that movie. So Finding Nemo is in there. Monsters, Inc. is in there. Uh, Brave is in there somehow, some way. Huh. I mean, they they apparently went to great detail making sure that they were a part of Riley's childhood. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Like, that's a very cool meta thing. I mean, obviously, it's important because for a variety of reasons, it's important. They're brainwashing us, basically. Right, they're brainwashing us that this is an integral part of children's childhood, but kind of fantastically brilliant and meta at the same time. Yes. Um, Which means that Big Hero 6 was in there at some point, too. Probably. Um, So anyway, so these little Monsters, Inc.-esque guys are coming through, and they're sending things to either the memory wasteland or keeping them in long-term memory, cleaning out so that there's room or whatever. And one of the things that they start to like, they start to talk about is that, you know, because Joy approaches them and asks 
asks them some questions and then they start going into their job or whatever. And then, of course, they pull out the um, fake double mint gum commercial jingle that she's there. And they're like, we just like to replay it over and over and over again. (laughs) And I'm like, how many freaking times has this happened to one of us? Especially, you know, you don't mean to internalize it, but it happens. It's so great. Such a great moment. And so they send it up to headquarters to play inside Riley's head. And it triggers anger every time. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. He just like flame shoot out of his head. He's like, I hate this song. It's awesome. It is so awesome. It's so good. It's such a good thing. And how many times has that happened to you? That's Oh, my God. Like the stupid lava song. Yesterday. I love you. Anger was go and the lava song is to the short before the actual movie. And let me tell you, my little anger reflex, or actually no, it was more disgust. Disgust would go, oh my word, again inside my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was I was playing lots of other songs in order to get that one out of my head. Hopefully, I haven't triggered something so that it repeats today. Uh, but that that is an awesome favorite part of the movie. My my favoriteest part of the movie is at the very end where we get a little glimpse inside a boy's head, an eleven year old boy's head. <laughs> absolutely awesome because he's at a hockey game. Who knows? Maybe for his sister or something. And Riley is playing in the hockey game, so she's about to take the ice, and she notices that this boy has just dropped something. So she very nicely, you know, picks it up and says, "Hey, you dropped this." And he says absolutely nothing. His eyes are humongous. And he just gapes at her. And she's like, okay, what in the world is wrong with you? Um, Have a good day. And she doesn't say what's wrong with you. But you can tell she's very confused why this boy is not saying thank you or hi or, you know, anything other than gaping stupidly at her. So she goes, "Uh, have a nice day and skates off. Well, we see inside his head and the five primary emotions are going crazy inside there are alarms going off everyone's running around going ah! except for fear who is in the corner sobbing hysterically going girl 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 <laughs> and it is awesome it is so priceless i could watch that i don't know how many times over and over and over again of it. yeah exactly <laughs> that is a memory that i do not mind flashing uh up into my my little had multiple times. And it makes you think about when you see an 11-year-old boy <laughs> and an 11-year-old girl and what happens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's so funny because I was at the pool on Friday um, and we were, um, I was people watching while I was eating my lunch and there was there was this little boy, probably 10 or 11, and he was talking about this movie. They were talking about it. And, uh, yeah, they, they like, that it's, is awesome. The, it's the talk of the town. And then I looked up and there's a, a little bit of an older boy and a little bit of an older girl, probably more like 13 or 14. And her like batting her eyelashes and him <laughs> like showing off. And I'm like, just you wait. Like, <laughs> it's fantastic. Fantastic. I'd like to see what their emotional console look like. Or maybe not. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, that I think we're getting into dangerous territory right there. Definitely not safe for kids. <laughs> and I have to say, I think that is a beautiful note to end on right there. Excellent. So thank you for joining us for another um, not-so-flash-flash cast. And we will see you again, hopefully soon, or 
have you listen to us again, hopefully soon, um, for another episode of Sharp Angles, whether a flash cast or a regular cast. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, guys.